Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much, and thank you, God. What a great God we have. Isn't that amazing? Um, please fill out your communication cards in your bulletin and tear that out. We'll uh, have you put that in the offering plate later on this morning, but please remember to do that. We've been in the Ten Commandments this summer, and the first three commandments are all about Him, about God. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. He is first. And when something else or someone else becomes first in our lives, that's when we have problems. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an image. That means no physical images, nor mental images. Don't reduce God into what you want Him to be. And number three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And this is a lot more than a swear word or a slip of the tongue. It's all about our whole lives honoring the name that we wear. We are God's people. We are God's church. We are followers of Jesus. We wear His name. And it's a huge, huge responsibility to wear His name. And also a great privilege. Now, last week, uh, sometimes I preach. And I, Man, I wish I'd said that. I wish I hadn't said that. But I got kind of hard on social media. And I do that once in a while. And I felt a little bit bad about that. Just a little. And I wish I'd said something along with it like this, that there is a positive side to social media. I like it. I mean, I like seeing when people have an anniversary or a birthday or something to celebrate, and it can be a witness. Some of you post scriptures, encouragement to others. Some of you put on their inspiring songs or articles. Some of you say nice things about the church. It can be a powerful witness, so, so use it in a positive way to proclaim His name and advance His kingdom. And when something good happens from the Lord or at the church or with our youth, whatever, you, it's fine. Put it on there. Here's the thing. Remember, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, His name. So those are the first three, and they're all about making Him first in our lives. I am second. I am second to my Lord, and His name will be above all names. I will not reduce Him. Many of you men have these wristbands on that say, I am second, meaning I am second to Jesus. I am second to His kingdom and His will. I am second to my wife and to my family and to my church. It is the best way to live. That's how God created you. And some of you even have it tattooed on you as a permanent reminder, I am second. Now, you can get one at the tables. We have some of the tables at both entrances. But again, guys, I say it again, do not take if you don't mean it, okay? There's a card that goes with it uh, showing a little bit of what it means to make God first, so read that card before you take the wristband, because it is a heavy commitment, but it is the right one, and it's intended for men only. Now, the first Sunday, we ran out of them. We had 50. The second Sunday, we had 50 more and ran out of them last week, so we ordered another 50, and we'll keep ordering 50 until... They finally quit running out, but, but we do have some available for you this morning. Ladies, some of you have ordered them for yourselves, and that's okay, uh, but we're really wanting to challenge the men on this. Today's the fourth commandment, Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, uh, do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, interesting, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Several questions come up from this. Questions come up from this commandment that don't with any of the other nine. First of all, does this commandment still apply to us today? Or was it for the Old Testament? And why do we worship on Sunday isn't Sabbath a Saturday? Did Sunday replace the Sabbath? Did the Sabbath move? 
if we do keep a Sabbath, how are we just supposed to keep it? And is it really even needed today anyway? So a lot of questions. In Numbers 15, a man was caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and God said, that man must die. Woo, wow. Apparently, this is pretty important. I mean, what is so important about this commandment? Well, let's start with the purpose. It was set aside for two purposes. One was a day of rest. On it, you shall not do any work. Don't gather wood or light a fire. Don't harvest crops. Don't trade out wine press. Don't load or transport grain. Merchants were to conduct no business, no work. There was even a Sabbath for the land. Every seventh year, the fields were not to be planted. The grapevines not to be, pru- not to be pruned. Creation was given a rest. Today, we have sabbaticals for people in academia. Every seventh year, uh, people in the business world are now offering more and more sabbaticals. Churches are starting to offer sabbaticals because they see the need for refreshment and rest. The second purpose, it is to be a day to worship holy unto the Lord. It wasn't just the day to lie around, drink lemonade, and watch a ball game. It was a day to stop working and start worshiping, both of them, both prongs. Leviticus 23 says, There are six days when you may work, but the seventh is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly, a day for God's people to gather to worship God once a week. Now, some people get confused on these two, the rest and worship. Now, I told this one years ago, but it's one of my favorites, so I'm going to tell it again. Um, I saw a cartoon where a preacher was preaching and the woman was on the front row. See, what happens, some people think rest and worship should be at the same time, i.e. during the sermon. Anyway, there's a woman on the front row, and she is snoring obnoxiously loud during the sermon, you know, that kind of stuff, head hanging back, wide open, you know, mouth wide open, just not a good look at all. She is totally zonked, and the preacher's preaching. Here's the caption. Pastor Birnbaum had endured snoring during his sermons in the past, but never from his own wife. (laughs) As far as I know, that has not happened, and it better not. Okay, here we go. Are we under the Sabbath today? Should we observe one day for rest and worship? Well, let's begin with the practice of the early church. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told that Christians are commanded to observe the Sabbath. It is not commanded. The early Christians did meet and apparently did keep the Sabbath, at least at first. They went to the synagogues on Saturday most because most of them were Jews. Paul went to the synagogues partly to preach Jesus. But in Acts 20, verse 7, we have this where it says, On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, we came together to break bread. They had communion, and then Paul preached, first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of the week, they were to set aside money for the Lord's work, take an offering. It looks like Sunday became the day of worship for Christ's followers. And part of the reason they met on Sunday is that that was the day Christ rose from the dead. John called it the Lord's Day in the book of Revelation. Early in the second century, Ignatians of Antioch, this is within one generation of the apostles, says, we have come to a new hope, no longer celebrating the Sabbath, but observing the Lord's Day, the day on which our life sprang up through Christ. No longer celebrating the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, according to Ignatians, wasn't moved to Sunday, but it looks like Sunday became the day of worship for the early church. And I think there's a lot of parallels between Sunday worship and the Sabbath that I'm not going to have time to get into. But here's another thing that impacts the Sabbath, the coming of Jesus. Several times Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And he argued with the religious leaders over the proper observance of the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. The disciples uh, gathered grain on the Sabbath, things that the religious leaders thought were wrong and were left with the distinct impression that as a result of Jesus coming, something's going to change here uh, with the Sabbath. 
Colossians 2 says, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festivals, new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Sabbath is a shadow along with these others that points to Jesus. It anticipates the spiritual rest believers would enjoy in Him. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'm your Sabbath. So there is a Sabbath in the New Testament, and at least partially I'd say, His name is Jesus. And then in Hebrews 4, we have the full culmination of the Sabbath, the afterlife, where we would be fully united to Christ and experience full and final rest and worship. Hallelujah. The word Sabbath means rest, and our rest today is found in Jesus Christ, and that will culminate in our eternal rest. Now, this does not destroy the commandment to rest and worship every seven days. God did not give us ten commandments and expect that only nine would be relevant after Jesus came. God is saying, and this is built into creation going way back to Genesis 1, I want you to stop, rest, and worship once a week with other believers. Do I have to go to church every Sunday? And hear the same preacher and the same music and see the same people, surely once a month is okay or whenever, whenever I can, well, or whenever I want to. Well, I would just say maybe you're smarter than God. I doubt it. He commanded once a week. I didn't. He did. And, and it just seems obvious those who make Jesus first, those who say I am second, will make worship a priority. I don't see much exception to that. People who say, I am second, will keep this commandment. Now, we need one day a week with other believers for rest and worship, not only because it's commanded, but because it's good for us. We may think we know more than our Creator, or we may think we're too busy to rest and worship. We may think we can get more done by working seven days a week, or we have too many things on the weekend to go to church, but sooner or later, there's going to be problems. You need rest and worship, and both of them are vital for your well-being and your relationship to God. You all have an owner's manual in your car. It tells you to change the oil every 3,000, 6,000, 7,500 miles, whatever it is. Well, you could drive at 10,000, probably be okay. Maybe even 20. Still runs fine, and you think you're saving money and doing okay, but sooner or later, there's going to be a problem. And God's Word is our owner man, owner's manual. And He put us together. He knows best how we operate. A question was asked in the workplace. How do you feel? Number one answer by employees. I feel tired. We live in an age of fatigue. Have you ever been this tired? We need rest. It's built into each one of us. The best starting pitchers in baseball are given four, five, six days of rest. The human arm can only take so much stress. God knows you can only take so much stress before you give out. I like what one guy wrote. <clears throat> he said, I like taking naps. Scratch that, I love taking naps. Sadly, my wife does not share my passion, which has caused a little tension in our marriage, especially when she catches me belly up in front of the TV sawing logs. I'm told that's not a good look for me. I've tried various arguments to win her over. First, the cultural angle. I noted that siestas are a common practice across wide swaths of the globe. I want merely to show solidarity with my brothers and sisters in warmer climates. But my wife just rolled her eyes. I guess she doesn't like other cultures. Second, the scientific angle. I told her how recent studies show that napping results in a 189% increase in happiness and extends your life by 54 years on average. Those numbers may be off just a smidge, but the point is napping is good for you. My wife cited opposing research on how irritating your spouse can dramatically shorten your lifespan. 
Finally, I went the biblical route. Surely that would convince her. I quoted Psalm 127 too. He gives rest to the ones he loves. I mean, how could she argue with Scripture? With Scripture, apparently, she quoted Proverbs, something about sluggards. Well, the battle continues. I could really use a nap. I'll tell you what, I'm with him. I think God is too. We need rest. Two words, I think, summarize a lot of lives today. One is hurry. So much to do. Some of you have a full day plan today. Preacher better not go over, you know, five minutes, heaven help us, ten. You know, you'll hear about it. We live in this hurry world. We do Federal Express, speed, lube. We make calls on Sprint, slim fast. Don't want to slim slow. We do our financial books on Quicken, and we go swimming in what? Speedos. Yeah, fast, fast, fast. And trust me, that's not what God intended. God did not create you to go swimming in a Speedo. That is the 11th commandment. Ellen bought me swim trunks this past week, thinking I'm going to go swimming. <laughs> anyway, it's beside the point. We are busy. And let me say this. Busyness is a form of laziness. What? What do you mean? Listen, if we stay busy, we don't have to do the really important things in life, the harder things in life, the important work of relationships. The important work of knowing God. We're too busy for God. Sometimes too busy for relationships. If we keep our minds and bodies occupied and going and going, we don't have time to tend the soul. Busyness is a way to avoid the important things. It is actually laziness. It's the easy way to be, it's easy to be busy. It really is. I'm going to also step on a few toes, I think. It's also the lazy way to parent. Just keep the kids busy. More and more activities, that'll keep them out of trouble. Really? Is that working? Is that what they really need? More busyness? Stress level in kids today is an all-time high. We keep them busy. I suggest busyness is laziness, sometimes anyway. Another thing, busyness tends to be an egotistical activity. I'm so busy, it's code for, I'm so important. It's really, really an insecurity in many cases. We have to stay busy to give our sense of own self-importance. One preacher said, since we have empty souls, we fill our lives with activity to try to fill the void. Folks, God knows what He's talking about. We need to trust Him. You are better off with one day of rest and worship out of seven, a six-one rhythm. The second word that summarizes our lives is worry. We hurry and we worry about finances, about health, about our children, about our careers and jobs, about what the future may hold, about the economy, about politics and another terrorist attack. And keeping the Sabbath forces us to stop and remind ourselves someone else is in control. And I can trust Him. There's a lot of things that may cause for worry, but the cure for worry is worship. Seriously. Every seventh day, I'm forced to stop and recognize God says, I got this. I'm in control. I'm forced to stop and recognize this world does not depend on me. I'm stopped to, forced to stop and recognize this church does not depend on me. God is bigger than any problem I have or you have. I am not the sustainer. He is the sustainer. I could work every minute of my life and it wouldn't be enough. Psalm 127.2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. In vain. So resting is tied to faith. Stop. 
acknowledge the one who is really in control because you're not. The world can get along without you for one day. And when I read the Bible, especially the Psalms, about this God that we worship and who He is and what He does, and if I can focus on it, my worries tend to recede. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for you. It is a gift for your good. I remember when I was a kid, uh, when we left church on Sunday, I may have hated it. In fact, most of the time I did. And my parents must have wondered if they were forcing me, uh, turning me from the faith by forcing me to go. And we went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I seldom got to watch Wonderful World at Disney. I'll never forgive my parents for that one. But anyway, usually when I was there, I was bored. I thought that the music was slow and the sermon was bad. But afterwards, I, I, I don't know how you figure, afterwards, I felt better. There's just something about being with God and God's people that just restored me. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because God knows what we need. Maybe God knows what He's talking about after all. This commandment is here for a reason. And I don't think He meant it as an option. Parents, free childcare every Sunday morning. Can you beat that? Come to Sunday school. You get two and a half hours of freedom, rest, and worship. You need it. Now, some of us grew up when there were more restrictions for Sunday, uh, especially in the church, I mean, sometimes in the culture, for instance, no farming on Sunday. Big controversy in farming country. No mowing lawns, no organized ball. You could shoot baskets, but you can't choose up sides. Not sure where that came from. No eating out, no buying at the store, no shopping, things like that. And there were all kinds of rules and regulations in the New Testament at the time of Jesus. You know, a scribe could not carry a pen that would be carrying a burden on the Sabbath. These are made-up rules by the... Pharisees, religious leaders. A person could not, was not permitted to kill a flea or a mosquito on the Sabbath. But you could kill a louse. Not sure about that one. You could not wear a coat because you might become hot and take it off and that'd be work. And Jesus said, guys, you're making the Sabbath a burden with the rules and the regulations. It's no longer a gift. The Sabbath is for your emotional and physical and spiritual health. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. You weren't intended to become slaves to this. So we need to avoid two extremes, legalism on one hand and license on the other. Legalism says we can't do this and can't do that and set out a bunch of rules and regulations. License goes way the opposite. Says, ah, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. Both are wrong. I don't think our problem is legalism so much today. I, I don't know very many people that keep Sunday with strict rules, and we don't want to go back to that. I do think we have a big problem with license. I can do whatever I want. We have obliterated this commandment. We have spit on God's face on this one. And I believe the failure to respect this command is one of the primary causes for the decline of our morals and our values and the physical, emotional, spiritual, and domestic breakdowns of our society. What would our world be like if everyone took one day a week and everyone is in worship and rested? Think we might be a little better? Yeah, but... No, there's no buts about it. God knows better than we do. And we Christians have unfortunately adjusted to the world except for a few. Thank you, Chick-fil-A. How do they make a profit? How can they exist? They're not open on Sunday. And yet I see Chick-fil-A's going up everywhere. What's going on? You can't do that. Hobby Lobby? See, there's a few exceptions. And it seems, it looks like they're blessed and they're blessing to their employees. I know farmers who will not work on Sunday 
and they get their crop in. I'm not throwing stones. I don't think we should, you know, make rules, you know, and stuff like that. But I'm just saying. I don't want to go back to the legalism, but the greater threat is the license that says, I can do what I want. Forget you, God. Here's what Peter says. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Busyness and worry are sins. Busyness maybe isn't always, but it can be. Signs of arrogance, sign of a lack of faith. If you are too busy to worship once a week, that is a problem. And I'm talking to Mr. Weber today. And I'll just tell you, I'm not very healthy right now. And I've recognized that. Just a little bit tired, and I've broken this commandment, and I'm paying the price, and I'm determined to change that. So yesterday afternoon, try to make the whole day a Sabbath, but working at it. Yesterday afternoon... I'm going to build relationships, get out in nature a little bit. Went over and saw mom. We got up, went out in the back part of where she lives, and we just sat and talked. I think it was one of the best days she's ever had recently. It was one of the best days I've had in a long time. You ever put a child to bed and they say something like, Dad, I'm not tired. And then a few minutes later, they say, May I have a drink? Okay, go get a drink. And a few minutes later, I have to go to the bathroom. Okay, go to the bathroom. And then I forgot to brush my teeth. And then they go brush their teeth. And then I want a hug. And they, they do, they're doing all these excuses so they don't have to rest. And every one of those excuses is legitimate. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a drink of water, going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, or getting a hug. They're all good, but they're also ways to not rest. I got to work this weekend. Got to get the house done. Got to go to another ball game. Kids have another activity. All good things. Good excuses. Eventually, as a parent, what do you do with that child that will not go to bed? You finally say, stop it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what's the first thing he does? He makes me lie down. So how do we rest? How do we do this? Okay. Uh, for most, Sunday is the ideal day for it. For others, you may have to choose another day because you work issues or whatever. Uh, Wednesday nights are here uh, as an option for worship. One reason we started it, because there's some that cannot be here uh, on Sunday mornings. So uh, I think the ideal is still Sunday morning worship, Sunday afternoon rest. For others, you may have to do Wednesday night worship and Friday morning rest or whatever it might be. So, so rest and renewal would be different for different people. And for some people, you, maybe reading gives you renewal. For some, maybe it's just family time. For some, it might be sleep. For others, it might be music. It might be a combination of all these things. Uh, and and uh, for me, it's just visiting with mom. Now, we don't want to make a bunch of rules, which I have to do. But no matter how you do it, I want to give you rest tests. These are questions to ask to tell me if you've rest, tell yourself if you're rested. Number one, am I spiritually, emotionally, and mentally refreshed? Our rest day needs to include something that refreshes the body and the mind and the soul. It might be a walk in the woods. It could be a bike ride. It could be reading a psalms or devotional literature. Uh, Sunday morning or Wednesday evening again are built-in times for that refreshment worship. If you're watching uh, football all day, it's probably not rest. Here's what God wants for you, this picture. <sighs> yes. A rejuvenation, a renewal, new life. Second question, am I reflective? 
Am I taking time to think about the big things, the things of God, the big picture? See, for most of you here today, again, Sunday is a natural time for this. Just stop our schedule, spend some time with God and His people, and be reminded of what's really important. I have found that my best sermon ideas, by the way, are not when I'm working on it. See, even for me, i got to get away from the work. When I get away from it, my subconscious mind is working on it. And when we sleep, you know, your mind is still working and buzzing around in there, and it gets new ideas and it gets renewed. So if you stop by my office and see me sleeping, I'm really not. I'm working on my sermon. (laughs) Am I refreshed? Am I reflective? And third, am I refocused? This is a time to re-examine and realign our lives and our priorities. We realize that relationships are more important than making another buck. We realize that knowing God is more important than impressing people. I remember back in Robinson, Illinois, there was a guy that came to church, and I never could figure out why he came to church. He wasn't involved in the church life at all. He didn't hardly even talk to anyone. He just came to church. And I finally went and visited. I said, why do you come to church? I kind of crass question. This is just a reminder. Just a reminder. Refocus. Now, you can take a day off, but not rest. And that's what a lot of people do. And they cram as much into that day off as they can. And I'm going to say, frankly, God cannot reach that person. If he will not stop and know God, God cannot. Busyness will snuff God out of your life. Hurry and worry will kill you. I wonder if couples took a Sabbath together, what would it do to their marriage? What would it do to our families? What would it do to our overall demeanor if we kept this commandment? How would our society change? I wonder if anger and rage would subside. Because fatigue makes us irritable. Pressure makes us touchy. Answers get short and curt. Relationships get strained. We get crabby. How can we be sensitive and forgiving and patient, loving people after working 60 hours last week and spending another 20 hours on the house? Here's what Isaiah says. Here's what God says in his book, Isaiah. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day holy and honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find what? Your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. You'll be blessed every seven days. Stop and worship. It's like breathing six days off on one day off. Let's pray. Lord, this is perhaps the most practical of all the commandments and perhaps the most broken Please help us realize that we not only break this commandment, but we also break ourselves. This is for our good, and we thank you for this gift. This is to help us to be healthy and to grow in our love for you so, and to grow in our mind and spirit and soul. We need your renewal. We want to be refreshed. We need to be refocused. Give us the faith and courage to let you do that for us. And may we trust your wisdom and your direction and your guidance for our lives and not the world around us. And we pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.